Hello and welcome to Queens of the Drone Age. We talk a lot about what the future might look like, but right now we have a huge chunk of our population in this country that don't even have access to the present. It's called the digital divide, and we're going to be taking a closer look at the issue in this special deep dive episode. I'm Ray Johnston, and joining me are two of my queens, Angharad Yo. I'm, I'm here to dive deep with you, Ray. Oh, I'm so glad. I'm so glad. Strapping on my wetsuit and... <laughs> you strap on a wetsuit? <laughs> uh, Don't you just oh zip it God. up? Don't you just climb in and zip it up? Uh, you see, I'm built different. I bet you are. Mm. We also have joining yep. us Tegan Jones. <laughs> I cannot with this today. <laughs> I, w- I would like to give a quick shout out to our brand new listeners who have decided to tune in for this specific episode to get our take on this very serious topic and they've been confronted with our banter. Uh, thank yep. you for sticking with us. <laughs> we promise we know what we're talking about. We just have fun while we're doing it. But on a serious note, you know, Queen's listeners, we have two and a half million Australians that aren't online and they're not able to take advantage of all of the education and health and social benefits of being connected. That's not to mention competitive gaming. How are they meant to scream from their bedrooms if they can't even get the internet? But while the digital divide, it's narrowed over the years, more and more people are becoming connected That digital divide, it's deepened because as the internet becomes the default way that we communicate and inform and interact, the disadvantages of being offline, they just increase. And, you know, in the last few years especially, we've had a really rapid acceleration of our digital society happening at a time when a lot of us are facing real barriers to getting online. So we've got older people and families without good internet access and vulnerable Australians who have been especially isolated during the pandemic. So I wanted to talk about why we have this digital divide and what's being done about it. Well, it's actually really good timing for us to be talking about this because just this week, the Regional Telecommunications Review, which is something that's done every three years, was just tabled after being submitted um, back in December. And so this is basically where... um, group of people get together and make uh, recommendations to the government about this exact issue. So is this like a royal commission where they can put forward recommendations that the government can then just ignore? Yes, Ray. Fantastic. Absolutely. (laughs) I'm sure all 16 key findings will be promptly ignored. (laughs) So what are they recommending? What what have they brought to the table as things that need to happen? Oh, look, it's a ton of things. I mean, we're looking at the fact that in um, regional and rural Australia that internet and mobile connectivity is not good. We know this. We've got places that can't get it or that are built on like really old technology, copper technology that's deteriorating, all that kind of stuff. And it's something I'm really passionate about because I've reported on this um, a fair bit over the last couple of years. Um, One thing I looked at specifically was SMS over Wi-Fi, specifically on the Telstra network. And what this is, if you're looking at rural areas where they might not have good access to uh, like telco towers, they have to be able to rely on their Wi-Fi to get SMSs, especially during times like 
bushfires or emergencies where Oof, these emergency yes. texts are going out. And the people that I spoke to often miss these texts during those horrific bushfires a couple of years ago because Telstra, of all networks, did not have SMS over Wi-Fi. So you had people that were getting evacuation texts a day later. Things oh, like no. that. So luckily that actually got fixed off the back of my reporting, which was awesome. Um, that was really cool. But it doesn't mean that it isn't still a problem. We have people that just have access to either no connectivity or really slow and also very expensive connectivity because if you don't have that infrastructure there, things like satellite internet is very, very expensive comparatively. I think cost is one of the ones that always comes to my mind when we talk digital divide. Like, obviously, there's elements of whether or not you grow up with it, whether you're a digital native and pick it up easily and that kind of thing. But really, when it comes down to it, technology is expensive. Yeah. It is very expensive. And we have seen over the last year and a half that the government made this big brouhaha over upgrading the MBN network, for example. But it was all mostly in cities or regional areas that are still quite major hubs. So, and that's one of the things that was called out in this report that there needs to be more longevity uh, when they look at solutions to this and not just short term things or kind of patchwork quilty stuff. And just to not forget rural areas when you're making this huge song and dance about upgrading the NBN. When you say the words longevity and NBN next to each other, <laughs> mm. it makes me want to just like pull my legs off or something. The longevity is between uh, the actual box and your house. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I think I think cost is a really good point as well. And yeah, we might be able to look at the cost of internet as something that has gone down over time. You know, it doesn't cost as much for an internet plan nowadays as it as it did, you know, ten years ago, for example. But we're using more data. So we're spending more on internet because we need to access more internet, not because not because it is more expensive. See, I would say that while the cheapest internet plans have gotten cheaper, often they're still not necessarily suitable to how we use the internet nowadays. That's absolutely true, especially in the pandemic. We're obviously more people are at home, whether it's, you know, working or schooling or whatever. But it's also just not universally true either. You have people in rural areas that are on NBN SkyMuster, which is the satellite version of NBM because they can't get wiring out there. Like my parents. <laughs> right. <laughs> Those prices are very expensive, especially compared to anyone who is actually on wired internet. They have really insufficient data allowances. The latency is massive a lot of the time and there's just a constant reliability issue. And I think there's just such a huge presumption that everyone can access the internet because it's such an integral part of our lives now and we actually need it. Like it is classified as a need, not as a want. So people that are on lower incomes are simply just spending more out of their household budget to be connected to the internet and they're making other sacrifices. Well, it's like that saying that you can no longer opt to opt out. Yeah. Like if you want to get a job nowadays, you need an email address. You need to you know, have a mobile phone, um, be connected in that way. It's really, really difficult to live your life completely off the grid. If you don't have a Facebook account, you are presumed to be a psychopath. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they're the ones that have come out and said this week that people that work at Meta should be called Meta Mates. But sure, we're the psychopaths. Okay. Oh, no. 
Oh yeah, sorry about that. No, what? Yeah, yeah, Zuckerberg, Zuckerberg mandated. That's got real Hello Fellow Kids vibes, doesn't it? It sure does. And it's also just weird for an American company. But anyway, what I was going to say is that one of my eternal frustrations, especially in this country, is that internet is treated as a luxury, not a utility. It is just as necessary these days as electricity and water, in my opinion. Um, And I don't think I'm the only one with that opinion. It is complete garbage that it is so hard for people to access and so expensive. Absolutely. And that's a huge thing when we were talking about longevity and the NBN. By not investing in a network that can handle the fact that, you know, we're talking freaking metaverse nowadays and things (laughs) like that. And we do not have a network that can sustain where the world is going. So we're going to get left behind. Not only the network, a lot of people don't have the devices and won't ever have the devices that they need to be able to connect to the metaverse. You know, a lot of low income households are only connecting to the internet through their mobile devices. They don't have laptops Mm -hmm. or desktops. And in a lot of households, they're sharing those devices among multiple family members. So, you know, when we're building the future and saying this is the way that everyone is going to live. We are leaving out a big chunk of people. Devices is a really, really interesting one. And moving away from Australia a little bit, uh, there's actually been a really huge uptake in internet usage in Africa because of cheap smartphones. People can now get like Android phones that are like under 50 bucks and they're allowing people to connect to the internet that previously couldn't. And with that, there's obviously heaps of pros, but also lots of cons. I actually saw that um, when I was in the South Pacific a couple of years ago, I went to um, like a really tiny village on a really tiny island. And there was all of these tiny little solar panels that are around this village. And um, a lot of people there that were doing the tours had phones on them um, because we wanted to actually have that money going towards people in the community. And what their government was offering is like free internet access for certain apps. So like Facebook and things like that, that they could then charge their phones, like their very cheap Android phones with the solar panels and then conduct their businesses through Facebook. It was really interesting. That's actually kind of amazing. Yeah, it was absolutely incredible. I wonder if that's something that Facebook collaborated on because I know it was a big goal of, <laughs> you know, pre, uh, can we call it pre-meta? Yes, please. <laughs> pre-meta was, was, was to bring internet to more people all over the world. And, you know, there are so many parts of the world right now where they believe that the internet is Facebook because that is what opens when instead of a browser, Mm -hmm. they're just opening up Facebook immediately. So thanks for that as well, Zuck. I mean, we all think that the internet is Google, so I can't really like... (laughs) This is truly the darkest timeline. (laughs) I am sorry, Rad, but the internet is my email inbox. (laughs) (laughs) The internet is whatever app you open first. What a dark thought. Mm-hmm. Yeah, actually, in truth, the internet is Twitter. <laughs> oh, yep. no! Yeah. That's the worst. While we're talking about horrifying things, one of the things that has actually been <laughs> suggested uh, as a like recommendation is looking at things like Starlink, which is Elon Musk's uh, low-orbit satellite internet connection, as an option, but with the caveat that it's still untested, like to the same extent as um, other internet solutions I suppose at the moment and like I can't blame them it's meant to be quite good and quite fast but it's just interesting that uh one of the potential solutions is 
Elon. And yeah, creating a lot of space junk up there. (laughs) I think they should let us all put up our own satellites. Everyone has a personal satellite for their personal internet. (laughs) No, Rad, no. Do you just want our entire planet to be orbited by satellites constantly? We will never be able to see the stars. We'll just see satellites all the time. It'll be horrifying. It's okay because you'll also make them battle bots. No. So you get your satellite to kill the other satellites so you can have the best internet. Next, uh, we're going to have Rad suggesting that we just start forming like micro nations and like <laughs> and pulling apart from uh, Australia, like that principality of the Hutt River, which I don't think exists anymore, but they gave it a red hot go. Might be nice. <laughs> Can I read you a scary quote slash stat that came out of this report? You never have to ask for permission to give us a scary stat slash statistic. I live for this. I hate being read to. Don't do it. (laughs) (laughs) What, you going to show off that you can read? This is a podcast, Rad. (laughs) I'll read it in a sexy voice. No, I won't. Uh (laughs) Please don't. Please do sexy recommendations from... (laughs) Okay. All right. Without similar investments across the fixed wireless and SkyMaster networks, the approximately 27% of... Do it normal, please do it normal. Okay, okay, okay. okay, okay. So this was specifically about uh, this idea of the NBN being upgraded, but obviously not everywhere. So they said, without similar investments across the fixed wireless and SkyMaster networks, the approximately 27% of regional, rural and remote Australians who use these services will be limited to peak download and upload speeds, which are far lower than those available to the majority of other users. So the fact that it impacts 27% uh, of the population, and these are the ones that are getting some kind of internet. Obviously, it doesn't count the ones that can't get any at all. That's awful. Yeah. And it's like a little tease of internet. It's like dial up days of internet. It's like you can almost connect. You can almost converse with people, but not really. Yeah. You just, it's not reliable. It's like getting a lick of your sister's ice cream. (laughs) No, you know what it is. It's like frozen yogurt. It's like the frozen yogurt of internet. It's not real ice cream. It will never be real ice cream. It's just pretend. I like frozen yogurt. It's tangy. Of course you do. Yeah, I do as well. You're outvoted on this one. Sorry. Yeah. Also, they have the best plastic spoons. Oh, that's true. Yeah. You hate the environment, don't you, Rad? (laughs) (laughs) I can't use metal spoons, like, probably 70% of the time. Frozen yogurt is your problematic fave. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. If anything, Twitter is my problematic fave. Yeah, what is with that? You go straight to Twitter? Yeah, dude. How are you not sad all the time? She is. I am. (laughs) I think I have a fix for you. (laughs) Something that I think that's important to bring up in this discussion is what a lot of people think of when they think of digital divide, which is older people. I think we just assume that people over the age of, say, 65, 70, just aren't interested in being online. You know, the technology's too overwhelming, confusing. They're just totally not into it. But there is such a big benefit from having 
older people be online, especially when it comes to not feeling isolated, having those social interactions, being able to find community groups and connect with people. I think we should be advocating for as many of our older population to get online as possible. That's something I've definitely seen with my mum. She's not like older, older, um, but she's in her 60s. And just being able to connect again with the culture and community that she would have had when she was in Singapore is amazing. Getting to talk to people. It's most, look, it's mostly talking about recipes. (laughs) (laughs) That's important. I agree. It is. Absolutely. It's such a food-based culture and, you know, being able to find that again when she's been away from it for so long living in Australia has been really incredible. And it's something that really lights her up and she finds really exciting. And also I've got uh, my fiance's grandma, May May, shout out to May May, um, who loves playing games. She absolutely loves mobile games. Maybe I'll get her onto Tetris. We'll see. (laughs) But every time we go down there, we'll like download a new game for her to play. Currently she's on mini motorways and she absolutely adores it. She played Monument Valley like four times and being able to add that to someone's life rather than like her sitting at home by herself with, you know, nothing but her thoughts is is really nice. And we get to bond over it too. It's super presumptuous as well, right? That if you get over a certain age, you wouldn't be interested in technology or games especially, I think. Oh my gosh, that also reminds me that uh, Taya's other grandma on on her mum's side really loves like dog and cat videos. Yeah, great. Aw, bless. Yeah, well, I mean, who doesn't? But I think that, you know, we always kind of think of that as being a very internet thing. But the way that she like, laughs her head off if you just show her like a cute dog doing something is is gorgeous and everyone should have access to that is all I'm saying. (laughs) (laughs) So Tegan I'm wondering if one of those recommendations that were put forward was targeted at Indigenous communities because yes it was Ray. (laughs) There have been so many programs created specifically to address the digital divide in Indigenous communities and not just remote and rural communities, but your urban communities as well in like lower socioeconomic hubs. And they've completely stalled like progress in those areas. It's not getting better because it's not affordable. And these are a lot of the households that are using mobile only devices and a lot of prepaid accounts as well, which lowers the amount of data that they're able to access. So what, what has there been anything put forward? What what are they recommending? Yes, there has, Ray. So you tell me if this sounds like not enough or not, but um, this oh, is just a gosh. little snippet. I didn't read the entire 110-page report myself, but um, what is quoted <laughs> is, continued engagement with Indigenous Australians in regional, rural and remote communities is needed to address ongoing issues of access, affordability, and digital ability. That's the quote. And then also IT News reported that from the report, it highlights last mile infrastructure and community level Wi-Fi as as essential for Indigenous communities. Okay. Yeah. So infrastructure, obviously a real positive bonus win. Anything that sounds like continued consultation makes me feel like they haven't been listening the whole time because there are tech-specific spokespeople from communities that have been screaming loudly for decades about what is actually needed. So, you know, for it to be a vague kind of like, yeah, we need to engage and listen and, and reach out makes me feel like they're ignoring any efforts that have been 
broached in the past. And that kind of sucks. But hopefully this recommendation is taken seriously because there is a real need for bridging that digital divide in, in Indigenous communities, especially. I yeah. Think. Well, I mean, it was one of 16. And look, I don't know where it sat in the actual report, but it is number 16 on this oh. list. Oh, I'm unsurprised to hear this. Yeah. So obviously the digital divide is a huge issue in this country and in countries all around the world as well. So do we think that this is something that's going to get better in the near future or are we going to be having conversations like this in 10 years' time? I think it really depends on kind of what country and situation people are in. I think for places that historically have not had any internet, there is a really big push to get them something. And I think that that's going really well, but I also think that people are going to face a lot of uh, issues that they've never had to deal with before. Because the internet's a scary place. There's a lot of there's a lot of bad stuff on there. And if you don't know how to navigate that, it's a really, really steep learning curve. I think for places like Australia that already have high internet usage and networks, the struggle is really going to be keeping up and we haven't been doing so good at that. And then I think there are very, very tech forward countries like Korea who are, they're going to be fine. They're going to be fine. <laughs> On that, one of the recommendations is obviously building more digital literacy in Australia. So that's great. But honestly, like based on what we've seen so far and how far behind we are for like a Western nation, I'm I'm so jaded at this point that um, I don't know how like we can catch up really in a way that other countries have kind of done like we're dealing with a government that thought that building the NBN off the existing copper network despite so many recommendations against it was not necessary and no one needs internet that fast. And the only time that they decided they were going to sort of backflip and start upgrading the MBN is, you know, a couple of years ago and pretended it like, like it was their idea. And when they'd slammed labor in the past for trying to go down that route. So when you have a government that is so anti-tech uh, and as well as, you know, racist and, you know, seems to hate poor people, <laughs> I just, I, I do question like how how well we can actually do with this and how seriously they'll take literally anything. Yeah, if we are talking specifically Australia, I'm with you. I'm really, really jaded on it because so much has been done in such a wasteful way that the bill of the NBN just keeps growing. And I feel like it really, it gets to a point where it's easy to point at and say, well, we're not spending more money on that. We're not going to spend more money to rip everything up and redo it and do it properly. I think that it really is a huge problem that the country is just going to have to live with for years and years to come. Until they said they would, like a decade or so later, like so late, like, oh, you know what would be a great idea? Upgrading the MBN. It was like, what are you, like, so <laughs> aggravating. Oh my God. But I still don't think that they'll do it properly. I still think that they'll do it in pockets. I still think that, you know, it is something that is going to be more favorable to richer areas yeah. and to cities, obviously. That's the literal plan. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like the original plan of the whole thing being fiber to everyone, I don't think we're ever going to see that, or at least not for many, 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 many years until there's a new technology that supersedes fiber and then they'll be like hey fiber oh, <laughs> yeah they're no. like too it's cool fiber it's like that is 30 years old sir yeah <laughs> so maybe not 10 years we can check in in 20 years time when everyone has fiber then we'll have bridged the digital divide <laughs> 
We can check in in 10 years when everyone has their own personal internet satellite in low orbit. Oh, stop it. We're not doing that. We can't allow that to happen. <laughs> and our own countries. No, yeah. stop it. Yeah, okay. And yep, yep, yep. with that, I'm going to bring this episode to an end. <laughs> Thank you, my queens, for joining us for this episode. Thank you. Doing my country. No, stop it. (laughs) And thank you all for listening. We absolutely adore the fact that people listen to this show. So thank you once again. Queens of the Drone Age does abide by the MEAA Journalist Code of Ethics and any advertising for the show is independent of our editorial opinions, which are not for sale. So don't come at us, NBN. Do they even even sponsor things? Who knows? (laughs) Any product recommendations we make are honest. (laughs) And we do take them very seriously, I promise. Queens of the Drone Age is made by us, the Queens of the Drone Age. You were missing the voice of the lovely Amanda Yo from this episode, but she will be back shortly. You can find more information on all the things we've talked about in our show notes at queensofthedroneage.com. And if you would like to support us, please subscribe and tell your friends and leave us a cheeky five stars because we do love those five star ratings. If you want to support us, I'll send you my bank details. <laughs> Just support us by leaving the Commonwealth. Uh. <laughs> by joining my nation. You can support us by overthrowing this illegal government that claimed Terra Nullius incorrectly. Yeah, 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 yeah. If you would like to get in touch, please send us a tweet or tag us on Instagram. We will check it eventually, I promise. Until then, I'll see you in the future. Maybe check in on us next week. Like, if we've gone dark, like, we have been disappeared. <laughs> these comments. Check in on your old mate queens. Um, It's been a while since we've done like a meaty thing like that and I forgot how good it is.